You're listening to the Owls AmeriCast, sponsored by CU. Show your support at Hillsboro and have your photos displayed on the pitch sideboards. Listeners get 25% off on cu-store.myshopify.com if they use the code CUXMAS, S-E-Y-U-X-M-A-S. You could score two goals in one game? That's allowed? We'll try to answer that question on this week's edition of the Owls AmeriCast, Sheffield Wednesday Opinion with an American Accent. I'm your host, Jeffrey Paternostro. I have no great story for this cocktail. It is a Toronto cocktail. It is an old-fashioned riff. It is essentially an old-fashioned with a quarter ounce of Frenet Branca because, as I often do with a six-month-old, I had to eat quickly a very acidic tomato sauce. So I was feeling a little indigestion-y. And Fernet Branca, the Italian bitter, is considered to be a dyspepsic. And I don't know, it has settled my stomach. I don't know if it's the Fernet Branca or the rye or the bitters, but it's doing the job, much like Wednesday did today. And here with me this week to do the job of this podcast Starting in New England, starting New England now, Justin DeSorger. Justin, what are you drinking? Hey, Jeff. Good to see you. Um, I'm drinking uh, Cape Cod beer. Hog Island uh, Beer Company is uh, Hog Island is a small island in a cove in uh, Orleans, Massachusetts, uh, home of the uh, Orleans Cardinals, Jeff, of the mm-hmm. uh, Cape Cod Is that Cod where? So we have, we have Hog River Brewery in Hartford, I assume, because the same basic principle where Many, many years ago, they used to just like run hogs into the water in those various places. (laughs) That that would be my guess. Uh, But I'm drinking their Far Out Stout. Um, Mm -hmm. It is uh, good. Yeah. All you can ask for. Completing our threesome this week in Portland. It's Mike Laroon. Mike, what are you drinking? Jeff, Justin, nice to see you guys. I am enjoying the uh, Incline Cider Company's Marionberry, so Incline Cider <laughs> Company up in uh, Auburn, Washington. Marionberry is not a, it's a summer fruit, but you know, mm-hmm. right now it's fine. Um, actually had a little bit of the Kraken uh, and some, a nice rum cocktail with my dinner tonight, but yeah, doing all right. Uh, gentlemen, Wednesday fired their manager again. That's the thing that happened. I started recording <laughs> Tuesday instead of Wednesday, not that it matters, because it happened Monday at 11 p.m. Greenwich Mean Time. I guess we'll start there. Uh, Tony Pulis was removed from his position with immediate, whatever, um, with immediate effect. Uh, So I said two things last week on this show that I would like to amend. Uh, The first one is that when talking about Kieran Westwood, you don't want to use Kieran Westwood as a sweeper keeper and then promptly against Blackburn, he was Manuel Neuering himself all over the place on any ball, like <laughs> within 10 yards of his box. And I also uh, mentioned the Twitter rumor that Pulis was leaving the club in a huff because he was uh, not able to buy players in January. And like, obviously you know, we're willing to believe that because the club is a mess, but it's not actually that much of a mess. Uh, it turns out it might be that much of a mess because yeah, yeah, we, it's a slight, slight delay in that happening. And I'm not saying the two were related in any way, shape, or form, and that's the reason he's leaving. But uh, yes, he has left the club with immediate effect as of Monday. Uh, Ten games in charge. Those are uh, 900 minutes of my life. I'll never get back watching that. <laughs> uh, one win for all our troubles. Uh, Justin, how will you remember the Tony Pulis era? Oh, I'm going to do my best to forget it. Yeah, very um, forgettable. Was, yeah, no, this was, um, I mean, just looking, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the Blackburn game, but at one point in my notes, I wrote, this is deja goddamn putrid view, because it was the same old, same old thing that we keep seeing. It was Pulis telling everybody to stay as deep as they possibly can in tight banks then screaming at them to get forward, even though he was the one that put them back there. Uh, nobody was holding on to the ball. Nobody was moving. It was, it was the same old nonsense. And frankly, we got uh, 
you know, a phenomenal uh, goal. Uh, and that's what it took playing Tony Pulis ball to get a draw was to hold on to your ass for 90 minutes and hope something comes up. I mean, so if you look I, at the, if you look at the, Goals we scored under Pulis, and I think we can count them on one hand, probably. <laughs> um, I will say, for starters, Adam Reach was involved in a lot of them, whether shooting or crossing. But it was this kind of idea that, you know, it was going to be one well-executed set piece or one perfectly executed, worldly. Yeah. Or a perfectly executed right. cross on the counter to pick out the one guy in the box, which was a couple of them. Um, and yeah, it, that's how you win one in ten. Also, a bunch of bad cards. And that, yeah, but I just, the, I'm, you know, and, and, and maybe this will be a, a little bit of a segue to talk into the, the second part. Like, it, it's obviously a complete shit show when you're <laughs> canning your second manager in a month um, well, as you're sitting in 23rd. But I'm, I'm glad to see the backside of Tony Pulis. I don't ever want to see that kind of football at Sheffield Wednesday again. Well, it's also one of those things where you, he came in with his style of football, did not surprise anybody, except you have these players who are really good at things and none of them fit into his form. One example of this, and I kept seeing, I'm a big fan of Kadeem Harris, but I kept seeing people complain about he's selfish, he's bad at passing, but that's because he's the fastest guy on the field with the ball and he was the one getting down there and then he turns around and there's nobody there for him and it's like, okay, what is he supposed to do with it? So. No, it's not a good fit for everybody. I, I, uh, I th- and I think the consensus, um, I, yeah, again, my, my takeaway is I, I will remember that I thought this team could get enough points through 0-0 and 1-1 draws to, to get us you know, into, the, into the top 20. And um, that's, that's not a good way to do it. I guess we'll never know like if he – could have made the moves he wanted in January and, and gotten them to safety. Like the, obviously the results were a little bit better recently. Um, but I guess this won't be transitioning to the match previews. We'll just make it a big, uh, a big mess of a thing. There was essentially, I mean, uh, reach was hurt. So he did, it was a reach didn't start uh, today against Middlesbrough. But for what was essentially the same squad in a, in a slightly different formation, but not anything radically different, there was a palpable difference in the way they played and not even the effort they put in. So I think they worked very hard against Blackburn as well. But just Neil Thompson basically, but then again, this is the, the purview of the caretaker manager. Just let them go out and do, do whatever you want, boys. Like, and there was certainly a plan. Um, but the way they look it's so also much that, more, yeah. they look so much more confident in possession. Like they're willing to like take on like Pulis's game was very much just like conceding possession, conceding possession, conceding possession, and working hard, but not like trying to win the ball and do anything with it. Like just sort of like usher it out for a goal kick and then hoof it long. Like they were still working hard and winning the ball back, but you know Sean Bannon, like Sean got to freelance a little more. I think worked really well with Bannon and. They were able to, you know, push the tempo of it a little bit. And especially in the first half before all their legs went to shit in the second, they were playing. Look, it's not great football because I don't think we have the players in the squad to do that, but it was, you know, how you'd want your team to play and what they're certainly capable of doing. A couple of moments of brilliance for the two goals, but they were creating chances in the opponent's final third which is something that we didn't see under Tony Pulis and really didn't see under Monk that much either. Now, I don't know, again, one game is not a meaningful sample size, but, and they still look shaky at the back at various times, even before all their legs went, but it's sort of like what you'd expect this team to be. It's like, they're going to have, they'll score goals. They'll concede goals. They're going to win games. They shouldn't, they're going to lose games. They shouldn't. It's still probably on balance, a mid table team, but they were able to at least play like it. I don't think they played like a mid-table team for a while either. Well, and it was not 
it didn't make me want to stab myself in the eye. Yeah, so like to be like, like I watched, like I watched it and I enjoyed it. I was doing other yeah, stuff I at thought, the time and literally missed the Middlesbrough goal because I looked down for looked away for like a minute. But but yeah, it was like yeah. it was like actually like okay, this is this has even some... yeah when it was when it was nil nil, it looked yeah. like two even evenly matched teams, yeah. and I I enjoyed seeing Patterson getting up there. I enjoyed seeing Wendas coming a little bit a little further out than I would have liked, but still they were alive. <laughs> And then you know this pod's favorite player, Pelopesi. Just no one, no one stood out for negative reasons today. Everyone was yeah. just was on top of their game. That brings the, yeah. Again, I think what you were alluding to, Jeff. That may be the drawback. Is this might be as good as it gets with this mm-hmm. squad? Um, which again, with some defensive injuries, we we may be be in a little bit of trouble. But no, it was an engaging game to watch. The well, other I, thing that, okay. Yeah, as I said, I'd really like to see when, when you talk of, of things that may or may not be different. Um, you know, I, I think at, at some point Adam Reach will be back probably before too long. Sure. And he's had quite good form this year. And I think I'm hopeful that, uh, you know, whoever the next manager is recognizes what Neil Thompson did today, which is give Izzy Brown a little bit of burn and, and see how he does now. He got really exposed on the defensive end at one point. I mean, late. he's not he he's missed, not a defensive midfielder. Like, <laughs> so, right. So, and he was playing. They, they actually pushed Shaw ahead of him yeah. after the sub. I think they were asking Shaw he's to tall. He's Well, tall. they were trying to have him replicate what Patterson had been doing. Right, yeah. Sort of, uh, you know, big man up front. I, I think going forward, if you can add Izzy Brown to this squad at the tip of a midfield three, Given Reach and Harris and even Adebajo and maybe even Matt Penny again coming out wide, now you've got some players who can control the ball in the middle of the field. You've got some players on the outside. That may be something that we haven't seen much of the year that when we saw the first couple of weeks looked really good. It is It is amusing to me that after years of playing a 4-2-3-1, when we probably shouldn't have been playing a 4-2-3-1, as Lucas Joao has demonstrated as soon as he left Sheffield Wednesday, <laughs> um, they actually probably should play a 4-2-3-1 now and have the players to do it. But they've been kind of... They, they, they had the personnel on the field to do it today, but the shape that wasn't really the shape for the most part, um, as much as Wednesday ever has a shape, which is comes and goes. But... I think they're set up for it. And again, I don't know who they're going to bring in as a manager. I don't know who would want to come into this club because they just fired two. Like, look, you can say what you want about Tony Pulis and Gary Monk. They are well-respected within the game. Um, They have had success at this level and they were not treated well. Uh, I mean, we are, we are only 24 hours on to this firing, which is kind of scary. We've had a game (laughs) played in that time. They they did fire him at 11 PM the night before a game, which is, but yeah, control, always a good but... sign. Um, yeah, but I think the consensus I got on, you know, just looking at Twitter and other social media was, hey, I didn't like Pulis, but this is no way to run a team. No, right. Um, if you don't bring somebody in in November, December, and not see them through to the January transfer window. Right. So this is, yeah, I, I knock on wood, I don't know who's going to come in to, to want to do this. Well, we will get to the... Uh... The punter's odds. Oh, good times. In a little bit. Not right now. I do want to you know, start talking about the I don't know, capstone, the, the Tony Pulis era. But something else that came sort of into stark relief for me watching the Middlesbrough game today is that, you know, we've questioned Pulis's subs and his tactics in general. But, like, watching Liam Palmer play, like, Liam Palmer seemed like he would have been a perfect fit for the way – you know, not a true center back. So I can, can, can Tony Pulis play with an actual fullback and not a center back playing fullback? Who knows? We'll never find out. But I thought Palmer was excellent. And I thought he's been good all year when, when called upon. And obviously the, the pass for the first goal was, you know, like as Americans, like a perfect, like back shoulder NFL quarterback pass, but he did it with his feet. Like he split the Middlesbrough defenders and like literally it dropped absolutely perfectly for Patterson. We still had a lot to do and, and did it. And you could argue the keeper should have maybe done a little bit better, but I think it got kind of fooled by the sort of like little dink, dink grounder finish. 
Um, but just in a may like and just watching Palmer knock it down and put it over the top, like his, and we've seen this for Scotland too, his crossing mm-hmm. from various positions has gotten so much better that, you know, he is, you know, he's like, God, fuck, he's got to be 30 now. Like he looks like a quality championship fullback at this point. Right. Yep. Uh, so two, two things off of that. One, uh, the, the pass was amazing. I, I thought the touch by Patterson was, I mean, he must've had a, a half a can of Elmer's glue on his <laughs> foot to pull that in the way that he did with at full speed. And the ball was placed perfectly. You're absolutely right. Uh, second thing uh, is that, and I've been a big Liam Palmer fan for a while. I think he's, you know, this is his level and he can play there. But that was him on the goal. Uh, not that it makes much difference walking away with the win. But he, he got caught. He got caught ball watching. And uh, I mean, there's a lot uh, of blame to go around on that goal. Yeah, watch, <laughs> what, 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 watch it back. The, the, the problem is what, what Burrow really started doing to us was they got between our lines and they were getting their attackers, especially when uh, that sub came on late for them. Uh, number seven, where did I have it? Uh, Tavernier or whatever, yeah, yeah. And he was tearing us up. And they were getting behind Bannon and uh, Shaw and Pelopesi, and that was really stretching out our back line. And on that particular play, that was Palmer's guy, but Palmer was, as he can do once in a while. Uh, I, mean, I thought he was also very good defensively in the first half, yeah. though, cutting out crosses. I, 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 think yeah. he's been, I think he's been good all year. And Jeff, you raised a great point, yeah. too. His crosses were, two years ago, his crosses were laughable. They were those balloons that would go floating in and the other keeper would come now he is quite happy to one time across and and kind of you know i mean he's not trying to alexander arnold but he can be jack hunt there. jack hunt-esque <laughs> there you go yeah we'll take that so oh, and i would actually argue both goals the the norwich goal Norwich, no sorry blackburn the blackburn goal and this goal um were both preventable the i think the blackburn goal he dribbled past Three, maybe. He didn't dribble and past again. anyone. It was like one of those like opposing <laughs> okay. pole magnets where it's everyone kind of like give him some space. Well, again, <laughs> Luongo, you know, Luongo helps in both situations. Yeah. So it's um, Luongo again, might give a free kick out of the edge of the area, but he's going to get a foot in. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I actually yeah. thought I had that noted as one of the things where I just got really mad at Tony Pulis about that goal. Um, because in Blackburn, uh, I don't, because, I don't like this. Is well, this so, a thing? So let me, let me, let me yeah, explain yeah. this because you had Bannon and oh, I can't remember who else it was. It might have been Shaw or Pelopassi. Somebody missed uh, the goal score right away. They gave him the room to run and he started running and he ran right into the box. But at the point that he's in the box, you're now asking your back line to try to tackle somebody running full speed into the box. That's I mean, just square up. Like Lee's is, Lee's is like, that Lee's is marking someone, into, but like, yeah, I, I mean. But if he gets run into, it's going to be a penalty. Why the fuck was the back line so far back? Yeah. And that was my, you know, again, I, yes, somebody should have done something, but to have Pulis come out and be, oh, I can, that was the worst thing I've ever seen. Well, put your fucking players in a position <laughs> to succeed, Tony. Oh, I do I'm think, so happy he's gone. I, I do think uh, it elucidates point where it's like everyone else seemed to be standing around waiting for someone else to put a foot in and do the work and do like the dirty stuff. And like Luongo and the aforementioned Hutch always wanted to do that. And you need someone like that in the squad. And if you want to look to something that, that maybe Wednesday's missing, I think I is this way too. You want to look at what sort of Wednesday's missing right now. It might be, uh, it might be that. I do want to put a, another, uh, Rara in here for Shea Dunkley for these two games. I thought he's, yeah, he's been yeah, excellent as well. Um, he does have a little bit of of that. He's like a little like for a center back, he's like a little more silky smooth than than you'd expect. Like he's really comfortable on the ball, moving a little bit. Especially forward. one that had two broken legs. Kind of two, but yeah. <laughs> he's very positionally aware. Like he's just he's just very like settled and competent and just like a quality you remind me sort of like glenn lubin's before glenn lubin's lost a step or five step, yeah uh, <laughs> yeah uh, but he's that kind of just like very like it's not fancy it's just like very but it's like noticeable in a way that it's like it's very pleasant like it's a very pretty center back play as much as you can say like while still doing the dirty work too just always in the right place at the right time it's just a, it's a pleasure to watch. Just very well mannered central defense for a change. And, and 
the quality of today's game, actually, the fact that we've gone this far without even mentioning Tom Lee's or Liam Shaw, who I think were probably the best players out there today. Oh, but, Liam um, Shaw was actually yeah, Liam Shaw with his yeah. like very central defensive midfield shinned yep. goal. It's like getting my body in front of this and directing it into the net. Yeah, I don't was, know if he's going to be a constant goal scorer, but no, no. But even on defense, yeah. he was he was solid back there. Yeah, well, no, I thought came, he was good. He came up. He came up as more of an attacking midfielder when he was playing with the under twenty threes. So he's got that. He's like a number eight, soccer. I think, by trade. Um, the, and they the kind of played him all over. To cover ground, yeah. yeah. Uh, so we've been talking about tackles in the box. Or I was talking about bad tackles in the box. How about that tackle he had uh, shortly before he scored? Where uh, whoever that was. Yeah, oh, I, I seen in. that in full speed. I'm like, oh, that's a penalty. They got away with something there. But no, on replay, no. I was like, oh, he won the ball. <laughs> And then, you know what? Uh, I actually thought that Brown was going to come in for Shaw, given that Shaw no. looked like he was tiring and flagging. Man, in the 93rd minute, Shaw was rushing up the right sideline uh, the, and pressuring and forced a pass back to the uh, The joys of youth. Yeah. <laughs> that was the thing, like, I don't like. I don't like. I don't think Neil Thompson's getting the, the job long term, and I don't necessarily even think he should. Though, if you know, they might not be able to actually get anyone to come in and take it. I thought he was kind of cagey with his subs in a way. Like I wouldn't have expected Matt Penny. He basically put Matt Penny on the left wing, and I was thinking like, that's a that's a weird sub. And I thought about like this team has played back to backs for six weeks now, basically, and. They've, and they looked really leggy for the entire second half. So he just brought on a player that hadn't had no match time. Just like, just run. Just fucking run. Try to win balls. You know, hassle them. Get down the wing as an outlet. And he did it. And it was just, I thought it was a very, I thought he understood the situation very well. Obviously, he's a, he's a long time. And he certainly has manager, low-level managerial experience in, in lower leagues. In the, literally back in the early 2000s, he's been a first-team coach everywhere he's been at Wednesday for a while and look I'm not gonna sit here and advocate for Neil Thompson to take over the club for the rest of the season um I don't know if that's the answer but I suspect we could do worse <laughs> yeah uh, like at least well, it might be. the players and the squad and yeah. seem again this might just be a we don't have to play like Tony Pulis wants us to play reaction I don't know if that's sustainable uh, Middlesbrough did not look particularly good despite being a, a top half of the table team. Um, it was very much Neil Warnock ball and they were able for the most part, uh, Wednesday to snuff that out. But yeah, I don't know where we go from here. I have no good answers. Uh, in the 120 ish episodes of this show. Now we've covered a lot of managerial turnover. None of it's really worked. We're on our fourth caretaker spell. I think there's three Lee Bowens and this is the first Neil Thompson. <laughs> um, <Yes>. And yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't uh, Yeah, I, I want to pontificate on this yeah. other than it was a no. good result. It was a needed result. You know, it doesn't get them out of the drop zone. It maybe drags QPR back in. It gives them some more outs. Um, and a very important match coming up with Darby that we will preview in the second half of the show. But for 90 minutes, thereabouts, 94 minutes, it was, it was okay. Like I, I can, I can watch this team play and, and like pay more attention to it than I have been recently. And really what more can you ask for as a soccer fan than, than that? Great. That seems like a good time to take a break. <laughs> so on that note, we'll take a break, come back, cover some Wednesday news, and preview the upcoming Derby fixture. Now it's time for some Wednesday news. Uh, and the major Wednesday news is Wednesday need a manager. So, Justin, run us down the punter's odds for current Wednesday managerial candidates. Less than, um, slightly more than 24 hours after Tony Pulis was sacked. So, I'm going to take that ball and uh, pass it back to Mike. 
who yeah. uh, may have the uh, whoever has them up in the WhatsApp page. <laughs> I start okay, reading them I, off. I, I take the I'll take the hit on this one. I did right. visit odds. I did visit odds checker this afternoon. They had mm-hmm. seven standouts. Um, and the first one is Thornston Fink, which I think um, Jeff so had the I most appropriate qu- I response. Some, I have some questions. <laughs> what was the first question you put in WhatsApp? Who is that? Yes, thank you. Um, I think you said, who, question, who the fuck is Thorsten Fink? Yes. Um, it sounds like a Coen Brothers protagonist. Right. Um, I did not know this name either. I, I have no idea like where these come from. Yeah. I assume he's let's also, let's just read I Doyen. He did win the J League uh, with, with Kobe, as I recall. So obviously he's clearly just Arsene Banger and Wednesday should hire him. But uh, <laughs> yeah, so let's let's go through these. Thorsten yeah. Fink. Thorsten Fink. Gus Foyer. Oh yeah, sure. Okay, now since this doesn't have the right punctuation, we're gonna go with Jose Marias. Mark Bowen. That was, Paul yeah, Cook. Mar- yeah, Marias was the was the name that came out shortly after Pulos was sacked, and he won the uh, Korean League. Also, a, a Jose Mourinho disciple enter in Chelsea. So obviously. Carlos Carvajal, part two, clearly. Yes, so Paul Cook, as, mm-hmm. as expected. Yeah, again. And, and so, again, if you'd have asked me to come up with who are the odds. I'm shocked Nigel I'm Pearson gonna... isn't on it, but. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Ryan Lowe and again, you know. Danny Cowley. So, it's like, so again, why would yeah. Ryan Lowe and Danny Cowley take this job right now after what they've seen from this year? So, there's this notion that they're, I believe, I think I think Wednesday is in fact participating in the transfer window this year. I, I don't know if we're <laughs> excluded or not. Eligible. Um, we are eligible. Whether or not we're going to or not <laughs> is probably something that only um, Mr. Shansiri and Mr. Pulis know at this point. So yeah. um, it's hard to say why any of these folks. It's it, and again, I, I trust. I mean, it is bookies. a championship job at a yep. massive club. Yep. Um, Quote I guess. I guess there's something to build upon if you keep them up this year. I don't know. I don't – I mean, nothing will surprise me for the rest of the season, Yeah, basically. I, um, I look at this list, and the thing, my consensus feeling is I really don't care because yeah, you know, they're not, they're not going to get what they want, and there's no plan. And, all and the with all of these, the, the gambling odds do not exist to accurately – handicap who is going to get this job they exist to uh, create a betting market in which they get an even amount of money on all participants in order to collect the vig right so i i will say the one the one thing about this time that's a little different than last time um you know i i think i said last time i thought that the good idea would be to to get sort of a young progressive up and comer like Ryan Lowe. And, and, in, and in some ways I still seen what a complete mm. fucking shit show the club is. I would like to burn it to the ground and start mm. over with somebody like Ryan Lowe. But this time around, I really think that Paul Cook would be the perfect, uh, man, you've changed a lot in seven weeks, Justin. <laughs> well, no, but so, so here's the thing is that cook to me, Cook's ceiling was a little bit lower than what I think maybe a Ryan Lowe or somebody like that could be. But what we saw on the pitch today, and you sort of alluded to it earlier, Jeff, I think we saw a team that just needed to feel a little bit better about themselves. They just needed to be told to get out there, boys, and, and play some ball. And that So I guess is, that's the argument for Ryan Lowe, maybe, because of the way he well, wants to play. But, but he, he's so young. And, and this is the thing with Paul Cook. His tactics are – you know, progressive enough. But what everybody says about Paul Cook is what a great fucking guy he is. What a nice guy he is. How much everybody loves him, Paul Cook. And that's what this team needs right now. They need, they need some happiness. They need some joy. The, they need some, you know, some fun. They, they played their best. And again, I don't know if this is scientific. It probably isn't. But they played their best, <laughs> most Carlos, with Steve Bruce. And Steve Bruce is very much the arm around the shoulder kind of manager. Like I had a conversation with a Newcastle fan about this on Twitter. It was like, oh, could you, you can take Steve Bruce back. And like, look, I'm not going to take Steve Bruce back because fuck Steve Bruce. And we'd uh-huh. love. But, but we would. <laughs> I mean, we probably would. But <laughs> yes. he was like, he does, again, at this level, he does the simple stuff well. 
you know, he had them well organized while not being as stodgy as Pulis was, but you know, he had his arm around the guys, you know, he's like, he's like, he talked up Fernando Forestieri in a way that's like some, you know, some, you got to identify what the individual player needs. And I think Pulis is just Pulis. Pulis gets the guys in that work for him and the way he wants to manage, you know, Steve Bruce is a different kind of manager in that old English manager mold where it's like, yeah, it's, it'll give you a kick up the pants, but it'll give you an arm around the shoulder too. I think Cook could be that guy for this team. I just don't know, like, again, this is not an attractive job right now. So I don't know. If you look at like the, the Thorsten Fink and Jose Moraes, like, they probably view this as their route back into European football, which fine as far as it goes. And look, I don't want to actually downplay winning the, the J league or the K league, because I don't think that's easy to do as a foreign manager in a lot of ways. Uh, I literally did not know who Thorsten Fink was. So I don't want to speak to the way he plays. And I don't know much about Maurice. He's a, he's a Jose Mourinho disciple. Um, which can go a bunch of different ways as Spurs fans have found out recently, but I don't look, I'm uh, I guess the best way to put this is just like, my mind is open to all possibilities. Now as a Sheffield Wednesday fan, I already accepted last week that they were probably being relegated. So I'm, I'm just concerned of how, how close is my mind is open to all possibilities (laughs) to me saying, I don't care anymore. Right. No, none of this matters. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, um, that is certainly one way to look at it. Well, and I just, I, from my perspective, that's probably not dissimilar from you guys coming from the same place. Is that I just can't, I can't be bothered to even worry about it because I don't. I know, like I, I don't have a clue. again. I've done, I've done again hosting this podcast. I've done five of these in the last like four years. Like I cannot get. I can't do the same shit about me. I do. I remember the I can't, worst like, just one. sit here with like yeah. my, my chin on my hand. Like, wow, what Wednesday need now? It's like, no, it's what Wednesday need now is a, I, I, I remember, exercise. I remember the worst, the worst one, Jeff, you, Evan and I were here Christmas break three mm. years ago. It was the morning after Chin series fan forum. Oh God. And he had yeah. just, he just fired Carlos maybe. Yeah. And the thing was, someone asked him at the fan forum where he sees the club in three years, and he like didn't have an answer. And you know what? Here we are. are That's where we are now. (laughs) So, yeah, Uh, none of this matters. No, it doesn't. And it's like, I guess I'll I'll frame it this way before we move on to the. Well, I think we have to talk about Sam Hutchinson for some reason before we move on talking about Sam Hutchinson and the target preview. (laughs) (laughs) What do you like? irrespective of results, whether they stay up or not, what do you want to see from Wednesday football for the rest of the year? Give me one thing. One thing you want to see for the rest of the year. Justin. I want to see positive attacking football. I will lose a game three to two if it was enjoyable over winning one to nothing because because we got fucking lucky for a goal. Mike. Yeah, we've been talking off the away from the recording part of this podcast about how the top five of the championship currently is like the adult table um, mm. to go along with some holiday things, which is Norwich and Brentford and Watford. I just want to see us play evenly against the mid-table teams and actually look like a mid-table team, um, <laughs> and, and not just not just be embarrassed when we play. Yeah. Just, yeah, I just look, look like we look like we are a championship team, not a, a, a League One team that snuck in. I want to see more from like. I want to figure out what our best eleven is, and I don't know that we're playing that right now. And obviously, injuries have have played a role there. And you know, maybe you're more comfortable with what Moiso Dabajo offers versus Osaze Ogahide, who is back on the bench today but i think i want to start looking towards the future whatever that means i don't know if they're going to sell in january i expect they're not going to buy in january um i don't know we'll still be doing this podcast and what it's going to look like in 2021 2022 but 
I don't want to be, I don't, I don't want to feel like this anymore. I guess is the short answer. <laughs> oh. that, that's what I'm saying. Just give me, give me some enjoyment. I, I don't, and I think, you know, there's a large segment of the fan like, base that loses their goddamn minds every time we give up a goal. But yeah, you know, the reality is, is we give some bad goals to be fair, but yeah. Sure, but yeah, you know, Mike, Mike so, pointed out earlier, like today's game was right enjoyable. And you know what would be so, enjoyable? Seeing more of Fizz. Yeah. Doesn't have to be full time, but let's get a little more of him. Let's see some more Liam Shaw. Let's that did see, feel like under Pulis, you know, it was very much like it was just the starting 11. It uh, was name starting 11. And Pelopesi came on at halftime because something was happening, but like he's not actually an attacking no, player. Pelopesi came yada, in the yada, yada, yada. minute. Izzy Brown came in in the 84th minute. Yeah, yeah. And that's what we did. Like, I want to go out like, like, they're going to go down, go down like the wild bunch. Like, don't go down like, you know, that's a little fun with it. Well, I was pushed to the point of, of Ernest Bard 9 on the Gatling gun. I don't think it was actually Ernest <laughs> there we go. Gatling gun. No, man, <laughs> that, like, that's, that's I haven't watched it since college, so. Uh, Great movie, no, though. I mean, Pulis, Pulis and the way they were playing, that pushed me to wondering if relegation and burning everything to the ground and starting over would be oh. worth it and, and to get pushed to that point because i've been to league one i don't want to fucking go back to league, one. To league, league one league one is league one but that's is the other thing it's like it's it's yeah sometimes you're wolves and you're, i won't even say the other example i was going to use sometimes you're wolves and it's a bottoming out and you get everything your your house in order sometimes you're portsmouth Sometimes you're Sunderland who are still down there. That's not an easy league to get out of either. No. I just think it's harder to get out of League One than it is to get out of the championship. Mm. Either way, I I don't – after today's game, I don't feel that way, right? Now now I kind of feel like, let's let's get through this season. I was having a conversation with with another baseball writer today. We're both soccer soccer fans as well and he supports Manchester United so we're not the same but no you're talking about <laughs> but it's not the made, same you actually made a good point where it's like like Manchester United fans are in a really like cr- uh, grousey kind of mood right now because of the way they're playing but they're also second in the Premier League uh, but the idea that like I find myself and I will separate this you know as a baseball fan from my job which is also primarily writing and podcasting about baseball, I find myself much more reactive to, and not even just Wednesday though, specifically about Wednesday because I'm a Wednesday fan, much more reactive to the week to week in soccer, as I'm sure anyone can attest to from listening to this podcast for the last four years. It's been a lot of ups and downs. I mean, we're literally only seven weeks removed from Justin and myself talking ourselves into Tony Pulis. So but it, it that kind of like ebbs and flows, like the way soccer is, like you know, baseball is just like a bunch of discrete actions, and it's 160 games over six months, and you it, you can't let yourself get that high and low after every game because you go insane. Well, soccer is certainly not a you know like a NFL level short season. The the like you can really like feel like you can ride the wave of momentum. I mean, the, the old cliche with baseball is momentum is just the next day's starting pitcher. But with soccer, you feel like you can actually get that kind of ball rolling downhill in a way. Uh, and that's what I'm looking for. It's like, they've taken seven points from their last three games. I don't know when the last time they've taken seven points from their last three games is. <laughs> it's been a while, probably 2019, certainly, I'm yeah. guessing. They were third at or, Christmas last year, if you didn't know. So we we have an unbeaten then, streak. But, yeah, unbeaten streak. Yeah. But it's like actually like yeah, I feel like they've unbeaten in their last three, and they're kind of like oh, they got Darby. Darby's bottom of the table with us. I mean, get a win, Exeter, whatever. It, you know, it's FA Cup season one, Exeter, another win. All of a sudden, oh, then, then we go. Then we go to Coventry. We can be. Yeah, you can talk. Your, you can talk we yourself can into this, us. and it's like. <laughs> That's like a way where it's not like with with baseball. You look up the, your next three starting pitchers as a Mets fan, and they were like Michael Waka, Rick Porcello, and Seth Lugo, and you're just like, oh, that's not going to go well. Yeah. yeah, it's now time to previews 
Wednesday's biggest game since their last six-point relegation fixture, which was only a few weeks ago. Maybe more to come. And to do that, to preview New Year's Day against Darby County from the Rams Review Podcast, it's Corey Hancock. Corey, how's it going? Jeff, how are you? Appreciate you having me on. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I feel like this conversation would have had a slightly different tenor before big wins for both Wednesday and Darby today. Yeah, I think it definitely would. I know uh, we spoke with Justin just a few hours about, what was it, Justin, maybe five minutes before kickoff we finished? And it was a completely different end to the tone than what it is now. I mean, that 45, the 90 minutes that Darby just put together was was pretty good. Not that Birmingham helped matters um, in terms of making it a spectacle. But, yeah, much anytime you score four goals away from home and you get three points these days, it's a, it's, it's a good evening. It was only a good 45 minutes for Wednesday, but at least it was enough. <laughs> and certainly 45 more than they've had recently. Which does take us to the New Year's Day tilt. Um, obviously, some upheaval this year. Darby is in the midst of a takeover. They have a new manager, uh, Wayne Rooney. Our listeners might have heard of him at some point. So has there been a noticeable change in form under Rooney? And is he playing any differently? Or is it just more uh, new manager? I say new manager balance. They've won a couple of games since he's come in. Well, Jeff, that's a, that's a, that's two more games than what they won under Philip Kaku. Well, three now, including, uh, including this game today. Yeah. I think when you look at how Wayne Rooney, um, and I'm sure we'll talk about him and his career at Derby as a whole, because it's, it's really interesting amongst the fan base. But since he's come in from Philip Kaku, um, I think the two main things that you'll see from that, that come to mind with Darby is one defensively, they're a lot more sound um, for, earlier in the season. They had sometimes the de- the defense was like Swiss cheese with a lot of holes. Sometimes the holes were as big as the hole in the side of the Titanic. Like it was, it was pretty, it was pretty bad. They were peppering the goal and then they just could not keep clean sheets and you were giving up silly chances. Rooney's come in and he's tightened it up. Um, and, you know, offensively, they've kind of took the shackles off a bit. The only real noticeable change to the team um, from, well, there's been two since Rooney's took over is one Rooney never doesn't play anymore. He doesn't pick himself, uh, which I'm sure we can talk about, but that's kind of a positive. Never thought I'd say that um, just, just two days short of his anniversary of first playing for Darby. Never thought those would come out of my mouth. And um, the emergence of Colin Kazim Richards is that main center forward. That was a, big position that Darby had had for a long time with um, Chris Martin up top there. And they let him go in summer and chased all summer to get a replacement in. Wasn't able to get a replacement in. They were rumored to get Sirdar Dursen from Darmstadt. That If that's going to be done in the next two days for him to join in January, we don't know. Uh, we do know that he liked an Instagram post today from Darby. So I'll, I'll say I'm in the know here. I don't know. That's uh, all right. Uh, whatever that means with two little flame emojis. That's cool. Our, our uh, WhatsApp group decides who Wednesday was going to sign based on who Chen Series kids started following on Twitter all summer. So yeah, yeah see, that's that's that's, that's the fun of that's the fun of podcasting and being in the know. Um, and you know the the emergence of not the emergence but the reemergence of Colin Kazim Richards. He was brought in as that center forward because they couldn't get Sudar Dursen across the line. Um, from what we understand, like it was just a, it was just. They were about like a day and a half, just too short of time of getting the deal done. Like everything was pretty much agreed, but they got Colin, Colin Kazim Richards in. We know the name of Colin Kazim Richards. He's been around English football for 14, 15 years. He's played in eight different countries, played in Mexico last, um, was available on a freeze, 34 years old. And under Kaku, they brought him in and he never really played, but Rooney's kind of made him the focal point of the attack because what they wanted to play was with that, you know, that target man kind of big number nine striker and Colin Kazim Richards, to be honest, I'm eating my words because he's played that role magnificently. Um, and to be honest, has been one of the standout players since Rooney's took charge. And I think those are the two main things you can see from Wayne Rooney's Darby is just tightened up at the back, not allowing silly chances to happen. I mean, they went through a spell uh, not two, two games ago where the previous four games that only had one shot on goal combined. I mean, three, three of those draws, three of those games were nil, nil draws. So, you know, and then one was a win. So, you know, you take what you can, but I think defensively he's tightened up the ship and, and offensively he's just taken the shackles off a bit and let them express themselves a little bit more. Yeah. It looked like from what I had seen and read, it looked like a, a shift to uh, more of a four, three, three than a four, two, three, one, which just allowed for your midfield to be a little more fluid 
um, and, and the use of getting those attacking midfielders higher up the pitch uh, to support Chasm Richards, which the thing that I noticed when looking through that lineup, so, so we just mentioned the midfield and then you're attacking, um, you have a midfield with a 22-year-old, a 29-year-old, and a 19-year-old, and you have an attacking front line with a 22-year-old, a 30-year-old, and a 34-year-old. It's this really interesting mix of youth and experience. Um, is that really come up more under Rooney and does that seem to be something that's working really well? Yeah, that's a good question. That's, that's, there's some good points, Justin. And I want to touch on the first aspect there. I think one of the keys to the revival under Rooney has been that that midfield triumvirate of Christian Bielik, Graham Shinney and Jason Knight. That's one, the one thing I would point out to Sheffield Wednesday fans is look out for Jason Knight on the game because Jason Knight is, he's an engine. That's the best thing. We call him the Dublin dynamo. Um, young Irishman got international honors earlier this season in the last international break, but he scored, he actually scored to, uh, in this afternoon's game. He will not stop running for the entire 90 minutes. And I think, you know, when you, when you have that balance of three and then to be honest, Philip cock, never really had Christian Bielik available to him. He was his marquee signing last season. He's the club record signing at 10 million from Arsenal. Um, got sent off, tried to get his fitness back last season, playing an under 23 game and tours ACL. So he's been out. Um, and he's just started to come back into full fitness and to be honest with you, Christian Bielik is just, he's just the Polish machine. He's just, he's just an absolute monster. He's just so much quality in midfield. Um, so you've got, you've got Christian Bielik as a nice anchor who can spray passes, who's strong in a tackle. You've got Graham Shinney that Darby picked up on a free, um, actually signed under Frank Lampard, but never played under him um, from Aberdeen. Likes to put a tackle in, work rate tremendous. And then you've got the work rate of Jason Knight. So that midfield, I think, has been one of the keys to the revival um, under Rooney. And to the point about the youth and the experience, yeah, it's, it's been a remand actually under the last, I would say since Philip Kaku came in at the start of last, uh, yeah, start of last season. That's a long time ago. The start of last season after Frank Lampard left for Chelsea um, was Mel Morris, the owner who invented Candy Crush supposedly. So play more Candy Crush, help fund Darby's transfer bid. <laughs> okay. um, but, but yeah, you, you look at, Mel Morris, what do you kind of want to do? He's put a lot of money into the academy at Derby, and he kind of, and that's kind of the way that they Derby see the way going forward is have these youth players play them for two, three seasons, sell them on, buy a couple more senior players. Right? We all know that kind of, that kind of way of doing business. Um, and his remit was he wanted half the first team squad to be made of from players at the youth academy. So Philip Cocu, to his credit, to his credit, because you don't often get this at this level. I know that you guys have just had got rid of a manager, Tony Pulis, which I'm sure you've already talked about who doesn't necessarily, you know, he has the same kind of players that he brings in, just like a Sam Allardyce. You always know they're going well, to bring he never in. never got a chance to. So. They're going to bring, yeah, <laughs> no, I know. You know like, generally, these managers bring in the same kind of players, but fair play to Philip Kaku is he did, he did took that remit very seriously. And under last season, we saw the emergence of Jason Knight, Max Bird, Louis Sibley, Lee Buchanan. Um, that's, just, that's just four names that are now regulars in the Derby team. Uh, there was a period of time last season – towards the end after lockdown, second to last game against West Brom, Darby finished the game with nine academy graduates on the field. So, you know, that was, that was an incredible thing. But as the calendar turned, we, what, we need, what Darby needed was they needed the youngsters to play out of their skin again. Because as, you know, you're going to have young players, you're going to have inconsistencies and inconsistencies as Lampard's finding out at Chelsea, right? So they've, they've got these youth players and they were not playing at the same level, but Kaku continued to play them. Um, and you know, they would come in and out, they've been injured, they've been out of form and things like that. And so what Rooney's come in is he's put in a little bit more of an experienced team as well. So like you say there with the, with the people in the older twenties and in the, in the thirties as well, Colin Chasm Richards being one of them. Um, and so, you know, it is, it is a very much a mixture at Derby, but the youth system, the youth Academy, the youth, um, you know, the idea of letting the kids play is very much alive. And, Right now, I mean, you saw in the game tonight that Darby played two more players from the academy. They had an 18-year-old come on and make his first team debut and a 16-year-old. And he's 16 years old, two months and 24 days, Cade Gordon. So, you know, the youth, the youth at Darby is very much alive. The youth system is very much alive. And they just want to go out and let the kids play. But the caveat to that is, like you say, Justin, they have some more experience in the team now because what they realize is the more youngsters you play, you're more than likely probably going to get murdered week in and week out. Um, so you have to balance that with the experienced pros, which Darby have tried to, was actually the last several weeks have started to get that, that blend right. 
Yeah, we do not. Uh, we do not have that focus on the academy. Uh, I mean, we're just starting to see now after some pretty sparse years, a few players, a uh, few players come in. Uh, Liam Shaw's played pretty well. He was he was great today. Um, you know, Matt Penny's been out most of the season. Not a not a monk or a Pulis guy apparently. Um, but there's a there's a few pieces in there. Um, so it's nice for you guys. It seems like you've got sort of a long term plan. What is your long term plan with who owns your club? Good, good question. Um, a very very diverse question. Um, yeah. So Mel Morris, obviously, we touched on that. He's the owner currently right now chief executive or he's not the chief executive he's the chairman um and he he's not been he's pumped a lot of money into derby he's put at least 50 60 million into the youth academy possibly even more when you look at his entire investment into derby it's two three four hundred million that he's tried he's tried numerous different ways to get out of this division we've tried um new managers experienced managers retread managers we've tried buying uh, um this player is the best player from this team. So we just buy them. They've tried youth. They've tried getting Hollywood signings like Wayne Rooney. They've tried, you know, they got Frank Lampard. They tried to go the Premier League loan route with Fakayo Tomori, Harry Wilson and Mason Mount. And nothing's really kind of worked. And I think in a way that's kind of hurt Mel because he is a Derby fan as a whole. Overall, he's a Derby fan. Um, but I just think the money's starting to run out and I think he's just a bit disillusioned. So yeah, he's, he's been sounding out investment now for 18 months. There was a deal, um, supposed to be a deal agreed with Henry Gabay, the, the investor found out that that guy was like going to be in jail for bankruptcy. So <laughs> that deal kind of fell through. Um, he's got several, he's got at least two loans of 30 million pounds each with Michael Dell from Dell computers. So it's like, dude, you're getting a Dell. Yeah, 30 million pounds worth of it. Um, so he's got two loans out there. So yeah, he's been looking for investment. So the, the latest name in the takeover rooming is Sheikh Khalid bin Zayed Al Nahirin from the Abu Dhabi royal family. He is a distant cousin um, of Sheikh Mansour at Manchester City. You know, when you're looking at when you're looking at Abu Dhabi kind of money, the numbers are eye watering. 115 billion dollars and that kind of stuff. I mean, he would be by far and wide, the world's richest man. He's not Jeff Bezos. So, you know, liquid cash, you know, he's probably got a couple billion. Um, and he was the same kind of, you might remember Al, um, Sheikh Khalid from, no relation to DJ Khalid, by the way, but Sheikh Khalid from um, his try to take over, he tried to take over Liverpool about four or five years ago. And he was also the long rumored suitor at Newcastle United as well. Um, and that deal fell through. So, you know, he's come in and they've been, this kind of story was broken by the guy that covers Derby County um, for the athletic, Ryan Conway. Um, and him and the athletic, they broke this story that, that he was the interested party, that this takeover was going to happen. And this, this, this broke, um, I think just before Halloween. Yeah. It's, it's broke right late October, about the 30th of October. And it was kind of like, wow, okay, Derby could be one of these Petro rich clubs that, you know, catapult you to the top of, you know, the football, you know, thing. And then Derby fans on Twitter and forums and online, they're like, yeah, you know, Champions League and all, you know, posting pictures of Rooney lifting the Champions League and FIFA and all this stuff and, and whatever. And, and it is exciting. Um, but yeah, since then, it's kind of just been, okay, the deal will be completed. The deal will be done in 24 to 48 hours. And then that would go by, you wouldn't hear anything. And they'd be like, yeah, yeah, it's just another 72 hours. No need to, t no need to worry. It's also what happened in Newcastle. <laughs> yeah. And, and Darby put out a tersely worded statement um, 10 days to two weeks ago. That was just like, you know, there's media speculation. It will be done by Christmas. Stop panicking. Let us go oh, back. I saw that. Yeah. We won't be yeah, making, it was a very tersely statement. <laughs> and we didn't, they didn't put a date on which Christmas. So who knows? And, and now we're sitting here on the 29th. The club's not been taken over yet. Um, and that's kind of just gone quiet. I know they had told BBC Radio Derby that like things just couldn't be agreed in principle. Like it, it's still all fine. That's what we hear. Um, it's still all fine. And, you know, we couldn't agree on the principles, but it's yeah. <laughs> and so they're still they're still trying to agree certain things. But, you know, when we, we spoke to Ryan Conway not too long ago on our podcast and he was just, you know, it's the same thing. It's like, we're dealing with, we're dealing with 40, 50, 60 million dollars. And these things take a lot of times. There's a lot of T's to cross and a lot of I's to dot. 
Um, so, you know, but you know, that's, it's frustrating as a fan because you're expecting, okay, you know, again, we're two days from the two days, three days from the January transfer window opening and Darby have a list of two targets. They have a list if they get taken over and they have the, the, the list if they're poor. I mean, that's just kind of the way that it is right now. And it, it's frustrating as a Darby supporter. Um, but for me, I try to just like focus on what I can focus on, you know, which is, which is the team. But in terms of the ownership, it is, it is a very, it is a massive frustration. I think not only for myself and for my co-host Jason on the podcast, but also for the Darby fan base as a whole, because uncertainty is not good in any business. And I think, you know, it's going to, it's going to go down to the players. Are they going to be part of this long-term project? Are they not going to be part of this long-term project? How's this going to shake out? And Darby's had, I'm sure we can discuss, you know, we could go on for a long time about the off the field issues Darby's had over the past 18 months, let alone longer. Um, And this is just another one of those sagas that kind of drags on and it's, you know, you just kind of hope that, you know, you can get it done at the end of the day. So that's the long term. Obviously, in the short term, Darby, like Wednesday, just want to stay up this year. Um, so can you handicap that for us going forward? Because it looked even, you know, well, well, Koku was still there, but certainly before Rooney came in, that there was just absolutely no chance that they were staying in the division this year. But the results have been better. Um, you know, Forrest has certainly been dragged back into it, even QPR at this point. Rotherham might never play a game again. Uh, what, are you, what do you think the chances are that Darby do dig themselves out of this hole? Yeah, I think when we, when we did our preseason previews, we kind of picked Darby to finish between 8th and 10th. And to be honest with you, Darby... They could still, Darby, they could still get there in this league. So. <laughs> yeah, they could still get there. I mean, I've seen most of the teams, and like they're all... They're not, they're not a, no disrespects to Sheffield Wednesday or any of the teams, but the league's here for the taking for anybody who kind of wants it. Um, and yeah, it, when you look at the squad on paper, there's no reason why this team should be down at the bottom of the team when you have experienced and proven championship players. You've got some quality sprinkled in there as well. Um you know, but at the end of the day, the results this all don't, sounds very familiar. <laughs> yes, exactly. When you look at the league table, Darby are where they are, and that's that's not for the lack of one reason or another reason. It's just a whole bunch of different reasons taking five and ten and fifteen percent off the performance levels. But I mean, I would hopeful. I'm hopeful of the turnaround. I think I'm not. I'll be honest with you. I'm not the biggest fan of Wayne Rooney, the manager. Um, I think that Darby did at the time when Philip Cocky was departed, which wasn't necessarily a surprise. It just kind of felt inevitable. And I think people kind of felt sorry for him in a way, which is a bit strange talking to Justin today with the sacking of Tony Pulis yesterday. Like I think we just resigned. He was a nice enough guy, great, fantastic guy, great gentleman. He did everything admirably for Darby for the last, while he was there, like last season with the stuff that went on at Darby, it would have sunk most managers and he did everything great, but the results weren't great. And he lost his job. And to bring Rooney in, it was a bit strange because after they sacked Kaku, they did this. They tried to do this coaching by committee thing for two games, where they had four coaches: Justin Walker, Shea Given, Liam Rossiner, and Wayne Rooney, like all commanding the troops. And it just, it just, it just spectacularly failed. And so Rooney did a press conference, and he's like, "I am the captain now. Like this is, it's me." And he's like, "We decided that I was the best person, and I am. So here we go." And so we've been playing, you know, we've had Rooney's rampant Rams now for the last, you know, five or six months, five or six weeks, five, or six games. And I've been pleasantly surprised. I, I, I'm still scared every time he comes on because I'm like, okay, you know, not scared, but I'm kind of like every game kind of chips away a little bit of my doubt. So it makes me second question my football knowledge a little bit. But um, yeah, Rooney's turned him around and he's, he's, by turning him around, he's made him more solid. He's made him more difficult to beat. They still don't score a lot of goals. Obviously, put four past Birmingham, but that's like the highest win for like two years. So, um, yeah, it's just he's trying. He's changing around the fortunes, and I think he he wants the job. He's keen on the job. He's desperate for the job. He thinks he's the best man for the job. Uh, so, I mean, what could possibly go wrong? Um, and you know, Darby have kind of tied themselves in a strange position because with him in this player coach role he can't go back into the dressing room now as a player because he's told several players that he's dropped him. He said, you're not, you're just not good enough or whatever. So he can't go back in and command that level of respect again. Um, and if they bring in an experienced coach in and they don't want Rooney, what are you going to do? So they're kind of in a catch 22 position. So Dar- basically I-, I could see Wayne Rooney, this being 
whether the takeover happens or the takeover doesn't happen, I could see him being the manager at least until June. So. You can follow the trials, tribulations, and maybe takeover of Darby County with Corey Hancock at the Rams Review Podcast. Corey, thanks for coming on. Jeff, appreciate it. Justin, pleasure. Mike, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. We don't actually have any other business because I've just decided not to talk about the Sam Hutchinson free transfer rumor. But I do want to put in another plug for the OA Christmas special where Patty spoke to author and Wednesday fan Dominic Stevenson about his new book, Get Your Head in the Game, which features interviews with many players about mental health, including Sam Hutchinson. So I guess I'm talking about Sam Hutchinson, Eddie Newhew and John Harks. Uh, That is on your podcast feed. Justin, you listened to it. I have not listened to it yet because I've been writing about baseball prospects, but you give it an enthusiastic thumbs up. Yeah. And you know, I'm, I'm somebody I've, I've talked about it probably on here at some point. I've, I've talked a lot. My personal life is, is being somebody I, I have suffered from depression off and on for years. I, I think some of it probably my whole life, but probably concussion induced as well. And it's, you know, it's something that took me a long, long time to get a hold of how to manage it. You're never going to win that battle, but you, you can manage it, right? And to hear uh, Dominic and Patty's conversation um, and, and touching on the different points that, uh, you know, why Dominic wrote this book and the way that people within the game responded to him um, was really, it's really nice. It just, especially given this year that we've all had when if you have depression or if you have anxiety or you know, whatever mental health issues you may have suffered from, um, they're certainly exacerbated by, you know, the, the COVID and the lockdown and, and those things. And Dominic's book sounds wonderful, you know, given that you're hearing these people who we all look up to and see as idols, you know, talking about their challenges and their struggles. And, you know, Dominic, from, from the interview, um, and we connected briefly on social media just in terms of following each other and starting to check each other's timelines out. As somebody who, you know, is very concerned with, you know, making sure that people himself and people around him are comfortable and healthy. And, and in today's world, I, I think that's really, really important. So I, I, I enjoyed the hell out of the podcast. Um, I thought Patty did a great job and, and, you know, it's the type of thing where I think sometimes if you listen to, I know there are other podcasts you might listen to and you might see, Oh, it's a special, it's on an issue that isn't, you know, it's not football related or it's not baseball related. It's a, it's a side note. You may be tempted to skip it, but I highly recommend that everybody take a chance to listen to this conversation. It was, uh, it was really well done. And, uh, you know, like Patty, I'll, I'll probably try to check the book out myself. I'll also start playing automatically after this one if I know how podcast feeds work, which seems like a thing I should know. <laughs> As for this episode, you've been listening to episode 120 of the Owls Americast, sponsored by CU. Go to cu-store.myshopify.com and use code CUXMAS, that's S-E-Y-U-X-M-A-S, to get a 25% discount on sending match day photos to Hillsborough's advertising boards during the next two home games. And look, they won last home game with the photos there, so send them in. If you want to get in contact with the show or on the internet at owlsamericas.com. You can email us at owlsamericas at gmail.com. Find and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at owlsamericas. Our podcast intro and bumpers on my fellow Wednesday as Reverend of the Makers. Podcast is on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, Podbean, probably anywhere else you choose to download podcasts. There's no wrong way to listen to the show. Just do what feels right. And wherever you choose to consume the Owls Americast, we ask that you rate and review the show as helps more Wednesdays find our ramblings. Mike is on Twitter at Cascadia Owls at Mike Laroon. Mike, do you have a New Year's resolution as a Wednesday fan? Oh, as a Wednesday fan. That's a yes. good one. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, geez. Um, I'd say positivity, but that's out of the question. So, um, uh, I'm sorry. I don't, <laughs> I'm sorry, everyone. I don't have a 
Wednesday related resolution. Uh, is on Twitter at New England Owls. Justin, now that you've had an extra 15 seconds to think about it, do you have a 2021 Wednesday related resolution? I don't because <laughs> we don't know. Well, this segment's going what great. Is, what is going on with this club? I mean, and, and, you know, just not to go off on a tangent at the end here, but this is. This we is never what it do is that, this. So. No, this, this is what it is with this club. Yeah. We, we, we all know each other because of this club. And, and I went to New Orleans in February and met a whole bunch of people and drank myself under a table in front of mm-hmm. a whole bunch of other people because of this club and this community. Um, and, you know, uh, you know, I see people the last few days, I, I'm done, I'm never coming back. And it just – that shit cracks me up because I can get as pissy as I want or as annoyed as I want. And it doesn't matter that that 2:45 or, uh, you know, 10 AM rolls around. Um, man, that's, I'm, I'm logged into my shitty. I follow account and I've got the family crowded around and I'm going to watch Sheffield Wednesday football club. <sighs> I'm on Twitter at Jeff Paternostro and my New Year's resolution that's Wednesday related is what I'm going to call the uh, Sherindenity prayer, which is the God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Sheffield Wednesday's performances, the courage to change the things I can, not Sheffield Wednesday's performances, and the alcohol to not know the difference. And we'll Happy see. Happy New Year, everyone. <laughs> Happy New Year, folks. <laughs>